Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and having real, honest conversations about what it looks like to lead the next generation. I'm Sarah, and this week I'm joined by Crystal Chang. Hi. Jamie Dickens. What's up? And Ben Crawshaw. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) That's my radio voice. It's going to be one of those podcasts, huh? Uh, And this is Ben's first time to the podcast, and he is the creative director of XP3. He's a speaker, a writer. He wrote the devotional Know God and Live Free for Students. And he works with Jamie Dickens on a product called speakingtostudents.com. So we are really excited to have you guys both here. Jamie's been here before, but he's another guest of ours as well. So we're excited to have you guys here. My goal is to not lower the bar of student ministry, (laughs) which I could possibly do, but I'm going to try really hard not to. We believe in you, Ben. All right. So today on Rethinking Youth Ministry, we're going to talk about how to take, embrace, and learn from criticism. Everybody loves criticism. Criticism. Yes. yes. Just love it. Ben, you look ugly today. I trust you in that. Um, <laughs> so particularly, what kind of criticism are we talking about? Oh, gosh, the constant kind. So, I mean, in student ministry, you have criticism from students, criticism from parents, from other staff members, from other student pastors in the community, yeah. like online. I Any mean, of it? You know, it people, they don't like love. They don't... St- Stop to take the time to tell you how great something was usually, but right. they definitely take the time to tell you how, how bad it was, right. what they didn't like. And you're like, right that it's students too. It's not just limited to adults. <laughs> I feel like the toughest critics I have are between 14 and 16. Yeah. No. There's always like that leader. You have like one of those one or two leaders that's just like, oh, what now? They call you, text yeah. you and you're like, oh gosh. Oh yeah. So I didn't even Prepare talk yourself about esteem. that. I, I didn't even think about small group leaders. So now, so you have students, <laughs> small group leaders, parents, other staff members. Didn't like your shoes on stage. Oh, sorry. I didn't have a new pair of shoes. My bad. <laughs> when I was at North Point, there was a small group leader who, when I spoke, he left the room because oh, he didn't like me. That is so amazing. With his students, a group of guys in the room, he physically <laughs> left the room <laughs> when I communicated as a silent protest to my existence. How, have, do, you, how do you know it was personal? I mean, like, how do you know? Like, did you know he didn't like you? Yes. Oh. I know, but my boss did an incredible job of defending me to this small group leader, which I appreciate, but also that made me aware of the fact that that's what he was doing. (laughs) That's when you know you're not a good speaker, when people are physically leaving the room. Then they're so discomforted, they just have to leave. Yes. Now, Crystal, this is interesting for you because you used to be a high school teacher. Yeah, there's no criticism there. Right. Is it any different in student ministry than it is as a high school teacher? No, it is the same. It's parents and staff members and kids. And I used to do this. Um, I used to do like an anonymous survey to my students, which is a guaranteed way to make sure you need counseling. And the things that they would say back sometimes were great, but the ones that weren't were just like, horrible. you spent hours being creative about how to insult me. You spent more time <laughs> insulting me than on your yeah. own assignments right. in my class. I and I put that much energy into I the felt really I bad about it until the entire school started doing these anonymous surveys, asking students what they felt about our teaching styles. And students would call me over and go, hey, look what I just wrote about this guy. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> so what would you guys say is the worst criticism you've ever received? So much to choose from. I'm going to have to take a minute. <laughs> Let me go to the, the, the archives. But can we back up for one yeah. second? What, you know, you're talking about this anonymous mm-hmm. survey. And, and Jamie, you've done the, the 360 survey yeah, yeah. with... Explain you know, what the 360 is. Yeah. Yeah. So you go, it's a, a process by which you ask people around you in a 360. Uh-huh. So coworkers, family, friends, right. um, employees, employees, bosses. Employers. 
what's it like to be on the other side of me? Uh-huh. So it's like the, the most cringe question ever. You know, you're like, yeah. yeah. And then they just get to not only tell you some good stuff, but mostly tell you all of the blind spots right. or all of the and weaknesses you have. But personally. Most of which you know, some of which you don't, and then cry yeah. over later. Yeah. And then, you know, Super that awesome. is a 360. So, yeah. Let me ask you all this. For, for people who are listening to this right now, would you suggest these kind of like anonymous surveys about you as a person and a professional? I would suggest it if you decide ahead of time how you're going to handle it. I didn't do that. And so a few years in, a teacher mentor was like, hey, there's a better way to do this. Mm -hmm. You go ahead, find the top 10%, throw it out, find the bottom 10%, throw it out, deal with everything else. Yeah. Which was super helpful. But for years ahead of that time, I was just crying over the bottom 10%. Right. So what would you say was the worst criticism you ever got or most entertaining criticism you ever got? Mm, There's so many to choose from. I'm going to really have to think about this for a minute. Well, a student once wrote to me, you're not as funny as you think you are, and people don't like you as much as you think they do. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I would have tracked that kid down one way or the other. I mean, mean, they didn't realize their IP address was tracked, but it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, I had had an adult volunteer tell me, that I acted like I was on cocaine while I spoke. <laughs> oh, my word. Which you do sometimes. I, but, <laughs> Actually, that criticism <laughs> came from Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Ben. It was, yeah. he's here. Um, yeah, but they t- literally used like, and it was like a, like a, like a, an adult that was serious. They weren't like joking, like, dude, it's like you're on crack. She was like, I, it really comes across like you were using cocaine. Okay. <laughs> like what? Like Incredible. this guarded way saying, are you on cocaine? Yeah, I don't actually? know. Maybe. Yeah. So I, Jamie, this is probably your early days at North Point and Clay Scroggins and I doing like rap songs together, uh-huh. which was probably a mistake, <laughs> but they're on YouTube and, and somebody they're made on this YouTube. comment. Okay. Somebody, we'll link to those in yeah, the show notes. Somebody made the comment that if this is what your church is like, I would quit church. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I would rather go to hell than listen to your content. Abandon the faith. Like listening to you rap inspires atheism no. inside of me. Okay. And that reminds me of another one. I had a parent tell that me one wins. time that, that we do these, you know, Ben knows this. We all know this. We do these events and camps and they were talking specifically about sending their daughter to uh, our camp and our, her, this guy's son had gone through it as well. Well, anyway, he wouldn't let her go. And, and this person had been in our church forever. And I was like, what, what's the deal? And he called our camp. He goes, you know, it's basically just Christian debauchery. That's what he called it. And I was like, wait, what? And that's because he he had heard that we have students there that aren't believers, you know? And so, right. I mean, someone would say a cuss word or might tell a story in small group about they drink alcohol. Right. And to him, that was like, yeah, wow. you, he said, you lead a ministry full of Christian debauchery. <laughs> Interesting. So I, uh, parent, this is probably not the biggest parent critique, but... Uh, my first uh, small group I ran, it was like a Bible study. I don't think we had the term small group. It was just a guy's group. And one mom made her son write down a Bible verse that we looked at to bring it home as proof that we were actually so talking actually about the Bible. Bible. <laughs> so he had to come home with some sort of physical evidence that we were actually talking about the Bible in our Bible study because she didn't believe it. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so it seems like there's legitimate criticism. And then there's not so legitimate criticism. So where is the, what's the best kind of legitimate criticism you've gotten that has actually been helpful for you? You've received, taken well, and then changed how you've yeah. done something as a result. I think it's important to note that both of them sting, hurt, right. uh, can wound or whatever, uh, you know, emotion you pick. But uh, yeah, the legitimate ones are the ones that make you better, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 
there's criticism that's just complaining and there's criticism that's just, you can tell they're just trying to hurt or they're just negative people. But then there's the criticism where you go, yeah, that still kind of hurts and stings, but there's truth in it. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I don't want to miss it because mm-hmm. I want to get better. So, I mean, things like, um, you know, criticizing what's going on in one of your small groups. And mm-hmm. you're like, gosh, it, the way, even maybe the way you said it hurt, but it, it's true and I want to fix it. Or mm-hmm. someone giving you feedback about what you did on stage or, I mean, that happens all well, the time. Well, it seems like, <clears throat> like you said an example, Crystal, mm-hmm. that someone had said, you aren't as funny as you think you are. Uh-huh. Like, okay, that might be a criticism of how you behave, but then it's like, and nobody likes you. It's like, well, that's like a personal <laughs> attack. So it's like, you've got to be able to figure out what's a criticism of something you're doing versus a criticism of who you are and maybe have that kind of determine what's legitimate. What's yeah. Not. I think sometimes 15 year olds don't know how to separate out the helpful from right. the unhelpful criticism, but, but there's always helpful criticism. I mean, there's been a number of moments where someone has said to me, Hey, when you speak, you tend to re-preach the whole message at the end of your talk. That was helpful. Like, oh, that's a problem. I shouldn't do that. Um, Or you, at some point in your life, will have to decide that conflict is something you're going to take on. And it's not an excuse that you don't like it. That was great advice and Mm -hmm. a great criticism and something to work on. Yeah, and it's like whether or not you're funny is so subjective. Like right. it's yeah. just a matter of opinion. Right. Where you I'm seem hilarious, to, first of you all, you are hilarious. <laughs> Nobody tells better stories than Crystal Chang. But mm-hmm. this idea of oh, you're telling your whole sermon at the end to kind of wrap it up is a little more concrete. It's based on a little helpful, more yeah. fact. Yeah. But I want to go back to what Jamie said when you, when you uh, I don't remember exactly what you said, but you're mentioning okay, it can make you better. Uh, when you get it, if you see, I, for me, there was just this kind of this moment, this transitional moment where I went from being a person who wanted no criticism whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm insecure. Some of you may be insecure. Some of you listening may be insecure, but I grew up not wanting it. I just want people to applaud me and love me and think what I'm doing is incredible and awesome. Like my mom does. I want every, I want everyone in the audience <laughs> right. to be like Wouldn't my mom. Wouldn't it be awesome? Right, oh, yes. Sweetie, that was amazing. amazing. Your sermon was incredible. <laughs> Your, the ministry, all the things you're doing are awesome. I just want everybody like that. But right. it's just not the case. And so all this defense, all this insecurity. And so for a lot, you know, probably the first six or seven years in ministry, oh. I, I just, there's just a wall up. I'm pushing it all away, talking to all my friends, you know, about how dumb the person is basically the same way teenagers react is how I reacted. And then getting to this point where it was like, okay, I have to admit that if I'm going to get better in certain areas, there's going to have to be some evaluation and feedback, which is going to include criticism that simply it's just like, it's like an athlete. It's like a singer, musician. You come to a point where on your own, and with praise alone, you're only going to get to a certain point. So, Jamie, for me, there had to be a moment where I was like, all right, I'm going to allow other people to peer into my life and to peer into my, my communication, especially, and not just tell me what went well, to right. tell me some and bad I, stuff, too. I agree, man. And I've had to go through all that. You probably taught me a lot about going through that process. I think one of the big switches uh, that you got to make in order to do that is um, just really asking yourself the question is how I did who I am. I mean, is is how you did either Mm. on stage or in ministry, is it who you are? Because if that's the case, every piece of criticism is always going to be perceived as personal and it's going to be perceived as an attack and your self-esteem is going to rise and fall based Mm. on your feedback. But if you can separate those two, which I believe God certainly does, Mm. um, then you can have a maturity and an even keel and a calm to go, yeah, I'd love to hear your feedback. And I'll filter it and I'll choose between, well, that's just you complaining versus that's really helpful or mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make all of those judgments. 
But so I'm okay. I'm okay for you to criticize what me. What made you get to the point where you realized you needed to start hearing criticism when you didn't want to before? Well, I think th- that, you know, there's kind of this line between criticism and feedback. I think right. probably right. what I'm referring to is a little bit more of the feedback. It would be uh-huh. equal to mm-hmm. you guys saying, hey, will you watch me communicate? Jamie and I evaluating e- each other's communication mm-hmm. style. Here's some strengths. Here's some things you could work on. Come into my student ministry environment, take a look, tell us some things that we're doing well, some things that we're not doing well. People that you respect and care about you, inviting that into your life. Yeah, start there. Criticism is so out of left field. It's Mm -hmm. so unexpected. But I mean, my wife has been a huge help for me when it comes to this unexpected out of nowhere criticism. No matter how outlandish it is, sometimes she almost always says that there's probably a hint of truth in it somewhere. So yeah. digging through all of this to find what's that one thing, well, that one thing's going to make you better. So right. it's the same thing. Whether I'm seeking feedback or I'm getting this out of left field criticism, yeah. it's just this is going to help me. And yeah. anything that helps me, typically, even if I don't like it, it's better. Yeah, yeah. I, that distinction, I think, has really been helpful for me. Um, the way I say it is there's the... Um, there's the feedback or criticism you ask for. And then the one that the criticism that you don't. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think we'll get to talking about the value of asking for it and how Mm -hmm. to set that up in your life. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just to continue to talk about the the criticism that you don't ask for, that's the hard, hardest part. I think that's the hardest form of criticism. And, uh, you know, I mean, my best advice on it that I've received from people along the way is, um, don't pick it, take it personally. That's what mm-hmm. I was just talking about. Like, hey, it's not who you are. It's something about what you did. And those are two mm-hmm. different things. Uh-huh. Uh, also, be ready. And I think you've kind of helped me with this, Ben, along the way, um, is being able to say, you know what? They're probably wrong about some of it. Like, maybe the way they said that, they should not have said it that harshly. Or their characterization of that was too extreme. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're also probably right. And I think that's what you were just talking about. Yeah. They're probably wrong, maybe in the way they said it or the extent to which they described it. But they might also be right about something. So what can I learn from it? There's probably something in every criticism that I can take away. And I think that's how you got to be able to respond to criticism, especially as a leader, because it's not just your job to like respond to it. You're trying to lead parents Mm -hmm. and lead volunteers and lead students. And they're all going to have criticism. So what do you do as their leader? Mm -hmm. When you get insecure or do you go in your mind like, yes, I'm I'm willing to receive it. I'm going to respond to it, but also I'm going to do the work inside to go. Yeah, they're probably wrong about some of it, but they're probably right about something. So what can I do? And I think what you said earlier is how I did who I am. Was that the question you said? Yeah, is how I did who you are. Or I mean, sorry, is how you did did who you are. (laughs) Well, back (laughs) to that. I think that's probably what makes us most hesitant to take criticism is because we do translate it to who we are, where we become really insecure about what we're hearing. And it feels very personal, even if it's not. Along these lines, back to your point, Jamie, about uh, it it is the way people say it sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, in the education world and even in our world at XB3, sometimes it's these people that we don't have, you know, necessarily have like a, we can sit down and go out to eat kind of relationships with. Mm -hmm. It's in the form of an email. So it's not even in a conversation. And sometimes things just show up in such a strange way. I think one small thing for us to, you know, pause and and listen to as leaders we're going to be, we're going to be people who give criticism and feedback to other people, mm-hmm. just working on the way we deliver that because right. Right. sometimes it, it's been uh, like, yeah, just don't be a jerk. Okay. It, right. Just start there. There's be been some, some stuff that after a week or so of me kind of cooling off, I'm like, okay, I see a hint of truth. It was just the way they said it. That mm-hmm. was just And people sometimes have dirty. a stinking way of talking about criticism. That is who you are language. I right. just feel that you are. And you're like, Whoa, no, I'm not. I just did, did talk about one thing I did chill out. Like they, yeah. people, have a way of setting you up to take it personally and get hurt and doubt yourself. And 
So yeah, I mean a huge part of the fault in this can often lie with the person saying the criticism. And, yeah. and it's not always that they mean it that way because I feel like you're right, Ben. The, the most criticism we get comes in the form of text, right. comes in an email, it comes in a tweet, it comes right. in a form of communication where the person speaking is being efficient because they have to take time out of their day to type mm-hmm. it. Or careless. Careless or Because they're on Twitter. <laughs> right? <laughs> and they know what they meant and they know how they meant it and they know the tone of voice right. that they would use and they may not be a jerk. They, right. they just know how they would say it, but my insecurity is reading it, and my insecurity is using a completely different tone of voice right. than, than what they would have chosen. If you add a smiley face emoji, That's then I feel point. like you're really angry at me. Seriously. Or an exclamation point. Yeah. Yeah. If you use an exclamation point, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be honest here. When I look back, especially when I started in ministry, I probably shouldn't admit to this, but it was so much harder to take criticism from students or small group leaders or parents that I didn't like. So true. And I I hate to say that, oh, there are some students I liked more than others, but it's just true. And there would be students that I liked who would say they didn't like something. And typically, they're cool. I respect their opinion. I feel like, you know, I'm excited to see them week after week. And students that were just problem students. And so when they gave, you know, criticism, it was so much harder to deal with. Same with parents. Parents that I didn't like you know, maybe I didn't like them because they were critics, but it was so much harder to dig through that right. to mm-hmm. find something helpful mm-hmm. in what they were saying. For me, it, it was it, my version of that is I had the hardest time receiving feedback if I saw, thought someone was being unfair. If I like, if I thought they're being extreme or overly negative, mm-hmm. I would, I would just want to discount everything yeah. that they said. I mean, like, I don't even want to talk to you. I don't want to listen. You're being unreasonable. Yeah. You're being uh-huh. mean. And you know, I had to get past that, or I still have to get past that. <laughs> right, because then we put people in, into a category where they're completely unvalidated. Nothing right. so they say. Nothing they yeah. say. And, and that's so easy for all of us to do. That, that, that's a compartment of a person that has nothing that they can mm-hmm. contribute to right. what's happening. And sometimes that's true, but in a lot of ways, it's not true. Yeah. Yep. I think just one more note on the who you are, like how you did isn't who you are. Um, you know, when talking about who you are, there's kind of two ways to go with it. One way is to go, and remember, you are loved, and you're enough, and you're awesome in Jesus' eyes. And that is true. Very, very true. And I think that's like step one of like, hey, I'm just loved independently of you loving me. And I'm, yeah. I'm good independently of you making me good because Jesus has made me good. And, and I love that, and that's all well and good. But I do want to remind, especially us in ministry, of the flip side. Um, you know, Jesus was very clear about where success comes from. I am the vine. You're the branches apart from me. You can do how much? Nothing. Nothing. Right. Or, uh, you know, um, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders right. labor in vain. Or, Hey, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all surpassing power right. is from God. I think part of my problem in getting insecure about feedback is I've built up a little bit of a reputation in my own mind of myself right. that I'm great. And that this is happening because of me. Uh-huh. And now someone's criticism is challenging. Him, hey, you're not great. And I'm like, well, yes, I am. Yeah. I found the days where I believe John 15, five and, um, you know, second Corinthians four, seven about, I'm just a, little jar of clay, right. I'm the most secure in criticism because I'm like, yeah, you're right. I am just a jar of clay. Isn't it a miraculous that God does anything through me? Right. I am not bothered at least by your criticism. I already know how insignificant I am and how much grace it has taken for God to do whatever he has done yeah. through me. Your criticism is is not challenging anything in my paradigm. Yeah. It's when I get proud and when I get all this this very self-sufficient that I get I get insecure in a heartbeat. Right. Or, or the opposite of being so down on yourself and forgetting that God has, you know, you are loved, you are 
treasured, all of that, that it's learning to live in that tension of you've been given an incredible grace by him, but also that you have been gifted with this gift, but it still needs work and could use improvement and that's okay too. And it's all that. Yeah. I think probably that last piece was for those of us who, um, sometimes aren't, I don't have an overly negative self view, but have an overly positive one and don't, you know, or have trouble accepting feedback. It's like remembering like, yeah, I'm fine. For those of us who think we turned our phone off, but didn't. That was Crystal's <laughs> phone. No, that was Jamie's phone. Well, hey. I swear I put an airplane. It's an airplane mode. Oh, well, okay, I don't know. Well, that's a terrible airplane you're riding on right there. <laughs> like, for real. Look you could that. bring the plane down, well, Yeah, seriously. So, hey, you think about this. It, when it comes to ministry, student ministry, every week you're putting on this event, you're, you're leading groups of adults, groups of students. A lot of you are communicators, so you're standing up on stage, you know, com, you know, speaking to people. It's like a calling, like yeah. mm-hmm. this is purpose. Yeah. And so you're putting your heart out there one or two times a week with these events that you've created with people whose lives you're trying to fashion and form. Like, number one, that's a lot of spotlight. Even right. if you're at a small church, that's a lot of spotlight mm-hmm. in a, you know, in a small tank. And that's a lot of vulnerability that you, yeah. you, you know, you putting your spirit out there. So it's not just criticism, it's attendance. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, other, oh, other types of feedback, steps, it, it's response. Yeah. Yeah. It's like whether, you know, people are engaged, if they're moving, we have all of these things that it's so easy for us to put our security in. So Jamie, I think what you're saying is great because there's probably a bigger conversation to any of this when it comes to ministry, which is really where do we find our worth? Yep. Is our yeah, worth huh? in attendance and how well we spoke and the fact, you know, all the praise that we get, you know, all the Instagram likes, or is our worth rooted in something larger than that? Otherwise, this conversation is going to be a difficult one right. anyway. Well, and what you said, Ben, that it's very personal. And I don't think that so there's personal. a lot of jobs where there's so much attached to your performance. It's not like you're doing a spreadsheet every day. It's right. like you are literally putting your heart out there and people are reacting to what you're saying or how well you're doing. And so that feel when it's really personal, it's really hard to hear something that's yeah. not positive. Can I share a sinful thought I have sometimes when someone criticizes? <laughs> Please do. So like, you know, you just poured your heart out in a talk and like put it all out there and someone's like, mm, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like a four. Yeah. And I'm like, what if I came to your stinking office and graded every dang spreadsheet you made with that criticism? Like, oh, your keystrokes were just mediocre. I mean, I would, yeah. I would tear, I could tear you apart at your office and how dare you come into mine? And I'm like, you know, I'm just like, oh goodness, you're holding me to a standard you would hate right, right. to be held to uh, yeah, because I mean, you hide behind a desk and a computer right. and nobody watches like you watch me. Totally. Right. Yeah. And again, it's event planning, writing a talk. That's, that's creative art. Okay. Yeah, right. And so uh-huh. it's creative art mixed with this event planning. And then you have all these people who have, who, who feel the freedom to speak into what you did as mm-hmm. to like, whether you met their needs or not, or, or that wasn't deep enough, or I've heard that before. Or I already know that. And again, yeah, you're right, Jamie. We don't do that. Yeah. We don't, you know, we would never do that with anybody else. So but, there's so much vulnerability, which is why we have to be so much more vigilant about yeah. getting ourselves rooted before and after um, we, we, we put on a student ministry event or just in general. Well, it's well the, sorry. Go oh, ahead. you're totally fine. You're totally fine. It's, and part of that is just, we live in a culture where we're conditioned to believe that everything that's happening is for our benefit mm-hmm. and we have the right to review mm-hmm. and respond to everything. Like we live in a Yelp culture. Right. And so it makes sense <laughs> as, as an avid Yelp reviewer, I am tempted to critique everything that's happening around me and go, well, if they could do this a little bit better and I should probably tell them that or um, just one tweak. I should probably tell them that. And I think sometimes our students are hearing their parents do that. And parents are living in that culture where everything is reviewed and everything has a critique attached to it. And it's so easy to apply that to the church. 
except you're just one person, right? right. And you're being critiqued by all of them right. mentally. And, and I always assume that more are critiquing me than what said so. Well, and Ben, what you're saying with the vulnerability, and there's something about being on a stage where people start to see you as this kind of two-dimensional figure. They right. don't see yeah. you as an actual person, so they feel like they can judge you mm-hmm. like a product or something. It's like, I really wish next yeah. time you'd do this. But then again, as saying this to myself as a communicator, I chose to get up there. That's true. And I said yes yeah. to God's call to preach mm-hmm. in front of students. Yeah. And I am and willing. And teachers will be more harshly judged. Right. That's, that, and leaders yeah. will be more harshly judged and we're held to a higher standard. And, and it will be unfair. Yeah. That's the point. You cannot wait for fairness in this realm. Right. It will be unfair to That's the day point. you quit. Yeah. And so instead of waiting for them to change and stop evaluating us or even start evaluating us like they evaluate other people, right. they won't. Right. Because this is what we do. So it's on us to go, you know what? I'm going to get to a place where at least I'm handling it decently. Or (laughs) maybe, Jamie, it's just important for for those of you listening to know it's a part of the job. So it's it's not not going to go away. It it caught me off guard. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't sign up for this. Like, I'm just trying to create talks every week. And that's hard enough. I didn't know I was going to get all this criticism uh, and, you know, have a middle school boy telling me that every, you know, he's above my head, like, which he probably was, but he's like, yeah, you're not bringing anything to the table that's deep enough for me. And I'm like, shut your mouth, kid. You know, I didn't really say that. Maybe I did. But, uh, but to know that, that you're putting yourself out there for yeah. these people, that's part of the job. Yeah. And it's different than working in a cubicle and, you know, responding to emails and yeah. whatever you know, else. So to, to sum it does. up or maybe to give up <laughs> to our listeners, to give them an action step just from what we've talked about so far, I might ask, which do you tend to be more? Uh, or if you, if you err, do you have too high of self-esteem or do you have lo- too low self-esteem? Uh, interestingly, both are uh, not what God wants. Most of the time we're like, oh yeah, if you have a high self-esteem, that's not God. That's not right. Christ-like. But so is having a low self-esteem. Right. This is something my mentor told me. Like when you are in Christ, not only do you not think more highly of yourself than you are because everything is by grace, but you don't think lowly of yourself right. either because you are in Christ and you're loved and accepted and right. those kinds of right. things. Like, and nobody can take that from you because he gave it to you. So, you know, if you're thinking about the criticism that you're currently receiving, I would think you probably need to do one of two things. Either if you're a low se- lower self-esteem tending person, mm-hmm. you need to remind yourself who you are in Christ, that mm-hmm. who, how you did is not who you are. If you're a, a high achiever, driver, high self-esteem person that just gets offended, you need to ask yourself, hey, am I there yet? Meaning mm-hmm. there wherever Christ wants you to be in your speaking or leading. And if not, are you more concerned with people thinking that you are right. or actually getting there? And I think that brings you back oh, down to yeah. remember, oh yeah, mm-hmm. man, I'm just a vessel. Right. I'm just a vessel God's using and I'm not there yet. So bring it on. I want it. I need it. Yeah. So let me- Which are you? That's kind of my bring question. Up, that's, a, that's a great <laughs> question to ask. Um, let me bring up another point of this because- in my conversation with some uh, student pastors, and Jamie and I both sometimes have the, the, the luxury to go in and speak at D-Now weekends, where since we're the communicator, we get some time with student pastors. And so that's where we've had conversations. That's where speaking to students came out of. And really, the student pastor-senior pastor relationship is creating a lot of tension. And so for a lot of student pastors, they feel like they're being criticized by their senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Now, this comes from a, a number of sub-frustrations from this type of criticism. Either, number one, he's not involved and he's just kind of talking from afar, mm-hmm. or he's, he's you know, kind of regurgitating what somebody else has said, or he's micromanaging. Mm-hmm. And he's still assuming that you know, he knows how to do student ministry better than I do, even though he, you know, last time he did it was 40 years ago. Gosh, I talked to so many student pastors with that situation. Yeah. So let's just, what, what would you you say, what would you guys say to the student pastor in any of those situations? Well, if I'm being super honest, what I would say is I would quote you 
I would, I mean, Ben, you wrote a book called Make Believe, and I had the pleasure to read it about 97 times because I was your editor. And there's a chapter called Make Believe Your Senior Pastor is Right. And if you just make yourself believe it for a few minutes, you might actually learn some things because they are are a little bit further down the road from you. It creates some humility if you can just pretend they're right for a few minutes and listen to them. And I always thought that was great advice, um, which is why I pretended that you were right when you were my boss. Yes. Ah, yes. (laughs) You did a terrible job of pretending. I'm just kidding. kidding. Well, I think uh, think you kind of threw out um, earlier talking about who we think we are as a generation. It's a very Mm -hmm. millennial thing to think that we always should get a say and we always should have an equal whatever and this and that. And um, there does come a point, I think our generation needs to hear, hey, just shut up and let somebody lead you. Just Mm -hmm. follow authority for once in your life. You don't just get a seat at a table by being born. Your opinion isn't... (laughs) Is it followed just because you said it? Is yeah. thought is not right just because you thought it? You yeah. don't. And don't you feel like you could have worded that criticism a little better? Um, Didn't you just talk about this that? Is, uh, Feels the, very personal. And before you write the angry email, we are all millennials at the table, right? Yes. You know, we, I'm talking to myself here. I'm just, but you know, we're that way. That's so yeah, true. Yeah. And so our senior pastor comes in and says, "Don't do that." And we're like, "What does he know? This guy doesn't know anything. How could you tell me to do that? This is a horrible job. I want to quit." And then, right. and it's like, "Oh, come on, you know, persevere under it and and stop for a second and, and ask what you can learn." Yeah. Uh, do yourself a dang favor and maybe apply the 20-80 rule. Like you can think 80% of the thoughts and just only say 20 of them, you know, That's like leave 80% just advice. to be said. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, with your boss, you always want to win that person. Yeah. You don't want to defeat them. Right. Winning that means winning them because they are your boss. Right. And uh, so, in, in, I mean, in the end of the day, like this is an area where I think a lot of student pastors, as right as they are, end up cutting off their nose despite their face, as the saying goes, mm-hmm. you know, shooting themselves in the foot or whatever it is. Um, because they are, it's just this, like, uh, the way they react to it. So I just would advise wisdom and a little bit of patience and some discernment, even if your senior pastor is being, uh, unreasonable to put it lightly. Yeah. I I don't know if student pastors do this, but I do this and maybe it's a character flaw, but when somebody gives me criticism that I don't want to hear, my knee jerk reaction is to go find four or five people who disagree with that person Mm -hmm. who agree with me, who will tell me what I want to hear all the time. Build a team. Build a team. The team are the ones I'm going to call and they'll convince me that the senior pastor is wrong or the boss is wrong Mm -hmm. or the critic is wrong or whoever it is. I have to be so careful about not calling those people and and if they're friends, telling those people, if I call you because of this reason, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sarah, you... You know, when you first got married, you were married to a student pastor yeah. he, who, by the way, was my like a rival student pastor in my town. So, Showdown. yeah, Rodney and I kind of competed for, you know, the, the football players and stuff. Uh, and I was <laughs> one of his small group leaders. So we were on opposing teams. Look at that. Look at that. So, I mean, you navigated <laughs> being on the other side of that yeah. as a student pastor who's new and young mm-hmm. dealing with criticism from a senior pastor. And like, what would you say to that experience for student pastors and spouses? That's a great question, Ben. Um, I think in hindsight, he would say it was probably the best thing that ever happened to him is coming from an environment where the feedback from the top was maybe harsher than he would like on things that maybe he felt weren't necessarily fair to be judged on. But I think, you know, it was always hard to hear. And as a spouse, I would always get super defensive for him, probably more so than he would, because he would end up having closure when things got worked out. And I never had that closure. So I would just kind Mm. of continue to be frustrated at whoever was criticizing him. But he would look back and say, having those experiences made him better. And it didn't, and it was hard to hear. And he probably wasn't as receptive at the time as he should have been, but he can, he does ministry better now 
and handles criticism better now because of the experience then. I think another thing for spouses is knowing it's difficult because you, you, I feel like my wife has to discern uh, when to do the pick me up. Like, no, you are, yeah. you are called by God. You're doing an amazing job and I believe in you and when to be realistic. Yes. Cause sometimes you need to give a real picture in the sense of, cause I won't, if she's just sugar all the time, I'm like, I don't believe right, you. Right. You're just going to encourage me no matter what. And then she loses credibility. But there are some people I, who, and Rodney and I had this conversation. What do you want me to be? Do you want me to be your cheerleader? Or do you want me to tell you where I think you should have like tightened up that point? You know what I'm saying? Like we'll have a conversation because there are some husbands that or just want student pastors who want their spouse to be like, you just tell, say me whatever, tell me whatever I did was great. But there are some who are going to be like, no, I really want your feedback. Yeah. So I'll give like the positive feedback, but then I'll be like, okay, but how you ended that could have probably been improved a little bit here or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the, the sugar all the time is not the way to go because there's going to be moments where you're going to need your spouse to, you know, kind of align with something that's yeah. being said. Mm-hmm. That's a criticism that will help you be better. And I've done it before. I've ranted about some sort of criticism I got only, you know, to, you know, get to the end of my wife saying, you know, maybe I don't agree with the way he said that, but you know, there is some truth in, in that. And it's like, okay, I know that's yeah. real. I know that's yeah. something right. I, I need to work on at that point. And her doing that, then let, when she does go all in against the critic and said, they're wrong. You aren't that you trust her. Well, totally. Yeah. Yep. Isn't Versus, that like a proverb yeah. wounds from a friend can be trusted. So, you know, from, if her wife is saying things that you're like, Oh, that's kind of critical, but like, well, she loves me. We're married. Totally. Probably take her. <laughs> but to come back to what you were saying, Sarah, about what Rodney was saying, which I think are, are some interesting takeaway points uh, from this, this like very emotional relationship between yeah. the student pastor and the senior yeah. pastor. I think what you're saying is he's admitting that there were times where he disagreed and yes. felt like he was being judged unfairly. Um, but it altered the way now that he's a boss, the way mm-hmm. he talks to people yes. he works mm-hmm. with. So for those of you out there who are like, okay, legitimately... I feel like I am being treated unfairly by my senior pastor or my senior pastor is taking an approach with some things that does not even seem kind. It doesn't even seem like godly. Like we're not, we're all, you know, we're not dumb. We'll admit that that happens sometimes. Or you're just like, I don't like the way that feels as an employee. That's great for you. Number one, with your current, you know, Mm -hmm. employers, Mm -hmm. uh, employees and volunteers. And then as you grow into more leadership or different leadership positions to think I want to approach that differently. That's a great learning lesson. I think the other thing that I hear you saying about Rodney is it was character building. Mm -hmm. So when all of us, when we look back in our lives, when are the times we grew the most? Hard times, difficult times, pain. It's like, that's the breeding ground for us to grow. Mm-hmm. And so it's the old phrase, you can get bitter or better. And like, right. so for Rodney, that was, was a, it was a character thing that mm-hmm. was developed in him, even through unfair circumstances, which circles all the way back. I know I'm talking a long time here to what you said <laughs> about our, you know, the millennial generation. And as far as like choosing to respect, mm-hmm. like respect character, and then also learning, learning from the good and the bad, um, I think are huge. And that's scriptural. The number one teaching uh, under discipline or or adversity is to persevere because God is up to something. Even if, even if the means or the delivery system someone is sending against you, God's a redeemer. He's still in it doing something in you. And I mean, I've had seasons um, in different segments of our career, not you, Kevin, you're awesome. I'm just talking about in my career. (laughs) Kevin's my boss. Um, and, uh, (laughs) 
where I have wanted to, you know, bail on this or just yeah. get isolate myself from that. And I've had mentors in my life said, don't do that. God's trying to teach you something. Yeah. Because some of this is you. And right. some, some of that's them, but some of this is you. Right. And he's going to make you better if you bear up under it. So my goodness, good. let God do what only God can do. And I think even more practically, one thing you could do is write down five positive things you've learned from your senior pastor, yeah. uh, you know, whether it's from his personal life, his, his or her spiritual life or, you know, leadership style. And then five things specifically that you want to do differently when you're in a leadership type position. Yeah. I wouldn't post those anywhere, like where somebody can see them. Maybe you could <laughs> give, give him or her the five things that you've learned from them. Um, but that you, you're approaching this kind of tough criticism and this tough relationship sometimes as a way of just helping you grow and well, learn. You're approaching it as a learner and right. instead of in a defensive mode, which I yep. think changes everything. Totally. That's how you receive it. That's good. I was going to say at some point in this conversation, I would love to switch gears from how do we deal with the criticism we don't ask for, which is kind of what we've been talking about. The stuff right. that just mm-hmm. volleys is volleyed at us from leaders, students. And, but then there is a side of it where there's a level of criticism that you need to ask for. Well, I think, and how do you the, get the right like the application kind I of criticism in your life? I think the transition is part of how you deal with the criticism you don't ask for is having a bank of data right. that you did ask for. There you it. go. So as we wrap up, what would you guys say are some of the things you've learned on how to take criticism well, the, the criticism that's helpful and that's positive and that you've learned from? I would say the number one thing I would recommend is be proactive, not reactive to criticism. Yeah. Reactive criticism means you just wait to when it pops up, you get hurt by it and try to deal with it. And it's usually negative. And it's, it's usually reactive. negative. Right. Uh, being proactive with criticism means surrounding yourself with the right people who will give you the right kind of criticism at the right time in the right way. They may not always do it perfectly, but you mm-hmm. have selected them and invited them and you know who they are. You trust them. They believe in you and those kinds of things. If you don't have that, um, the um, unexpected criticism not only will rock you more, um, but it will start to define you. You don't really have a good sense of uh, you know what, what to take and what not mm-hmm. to. But when you've got some uh, women or men around you who are consistently, be it once a month mm-hmm. or a rhythm of your weekly ministry, sitting down with you, telling you what you did great, reminding you of who you are, right? right? Mm-hmm. But then also giving you solid feedback. Right. Not criticism. That's a different word. Feedback on what if you tried this? I see more of that in you. Keep doing that. Yeah. I, I pumped the brakes over here. I, I saw this thing that you should change. You're an awesome communicator, but here's three things I would do better. Man, that is worth its weight in gold. You're you're asking for it from people. They're not going to be answering from an emotional place. Like a reactive criticism is going to be like something upset them and they're going to probably handle it differently and not as well. Yeah. Coming from an emotional place. I'd say go find three people right now. Yeah. Put them in your life. It'll help you with all the other criticism you receive. I think. Sarah, one of the most powerful things I've learned about criticism was actually something that you taught me when I came to work here at Orange. We write curriculum for student ministries, and part of that includes writing sermons and writing talks, and that's putting your own personal faith and beliefs on paper and handing it to another person and letting them (laughs) tell you what they think, which is incredibly personal. And so when I first came to work here, Sarah said, listen, it's going to feel personal and it's going to hurt your feelings, and you just have to decide that it can't. It can't hurt your feelings because the work we do is so important that you have to put the work ahead of of how you feel about the criticism. And I'm so glad you told me that because I'm glad you reminded me of that. Yeah, (laughs) Every time something comes back with edits and and if you've ever seen something we've edited, it looks like it's been ripped to shreds. Right. It feels personal for a second. And then you say, no, what a kid thinks about God is so much more important than my ego about this paragraph. And that was just super helpful to separate the work 
the big picture. Me doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. But what both of you said is great. I think Jamie, you're speaking to, to having systems in place to Mm -hmm. get feedback in your life, which I think is, is huge. I also want to, uh, be a self-critic and mm-hmm. learn how to systematize right. that. I do things right. like I have this note uh, application in my phone that says something I learned when I spoke. So when I walk off stage, I can self-evaluate. Yeah. And, and what that does is it kind of helps everything stay in a system of, uh, of evaluation. So the critiques that come out of left field and right field aren't so unexpected. Yeah. It's like, this is what we do. We, meaning this ministry, you know, the work God has called me to, we're always evaluating. I think the stuff that's uh, really harsh. You have to be careful not mm-hmm. to think that that's what everybody's thinking. Right. So this small group leader feels like the, the talks are not setting up small group. So therefore that must be what every small group leader here mm-hmm. thinks. Not necessarily. I think one other thing is to make sure you're collecting some wins along mm-hmm. the way too. So, yeah. you know, people aren't going to write notes anymore, but you may get a text here and there that you may need to screenshot. Yeah you know, email to yourself, have a folder. You just have to have some balance in your mind. Otherwise we're going to go all to negative. We're going to hyper-focus on those. We're going to think that's what everybody in the world is thinking. And then we're going to spiral out of control at that (laughs) point. (laughs) Yeah. One thing my my pastor's always said, I've heard him say many times is it's never as bad as your critics say it is. Mm -hmm. And it's usually never as good as your uh, proponents say it is. That is true. And being able to filter that all over the thing is big. And speaking of self-criticism, Ben, um, talk more about that because um, earlier, we were offline referencing the 360. Uh, so we've talked, you know, I was saying, get some people, get your three or four that are your, you know, others feedback so that you can be really healthy in mm-hmm. who you are and receiving other criticisms. But the self-criticism or improvement is huge. Yeah. And, and I think you and I have both done, I don't know how many of us in the room have done a uh, actual personal Mm-mm. 360 where you are asking for feedback and then evaluating yourself. You've done that, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. I've done the anonymous ones. I've done one where, you know, the Jeff Henderson question, what's it like to be on the other side right. of me? Right. Send that out to five or six mm-hmm. people or these big, they call them 360. It's a bigger uh, one. That's yeah. Like, kind of right. test. I think the point is, uh, you know, getting to the place in, in life where you have the right people, right. Uh, the kind of people that you trust, you trust to give you feedback. So, you know, as communicators, it was difficult to get feedback as a communicator because all the communicators were speaking somewhere else. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're hearing from people who don't communicate. Um, and so I was like, well, I can't get feedback from these people. They're not communicators. Well, yes, you can like, you know, small group leaders, yeah. but it takes time to realize, okay, that's more of a voice that I can trust than this person. I'm not saying as a person, I'm just saying the kind of feedback that they're giving me mm-hmm. has been is most helpful for what I'm trying to do and who we're trying to reach. I think the same in my personal life. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily like the people who are closest to me are best at giving me feedback because some of them, uh, they don't care what I do. They're just like, yo, let's hang out, you know, like let's go make bad decisions together. So, uh, (laughs) but, but looking for people that are like, okay, in this arena, these are the people that Mm -hmm. I need to speak into my life. So this really is, I think a process of kind of figuring out who's your people mm-hmm. when it comes to getting feedback and criticism right. in your life. I would recommend every single person listening to this do a 360. It'll be the most painful thing you do yeah. probably mm-hmm. this year or in the last five, uh, yeah. but it'll be the most beneficial. And the other thing, uh, it makes your weaknesses a known quantity, not only to you, but to the people in your circle. Do you know how awesome it is? Think about your boss. If you knew that your boss knew his weaknesses, the things that frustrated you, if you knew that he was like, oh yeah, I know that and I'm working on it. That would give you so much confidence. Do that for the people around you, for your spouse, for your friends, for your employees, for your small group leaders. I go, I am going to fully tune in to what it's like to be on the other side. I need the great and the not so great. Um, And because you can't get better unless you know it, man, I would do it. I would do a 360 
in as much as it stinks. Okay, so for those who aren't familiar, can you explain what a 360 is? So a 360 is a personal evaluation where you choose people from different walks of life. So mm-hmm. family members, coworkers, boss, employees, so on both directions, yep. uh, friends, okay. um, even volunteers. If you want to do a 360 in your ministry, you go from all, all the way around. But I would mm-hmm. recommend doing it in life. So you re- you, you get this whole cohort of people. Uh-huh. And uh, and you know to Ben's point, uh, it's about choosing not just the right people, but then it's about asking them the right questions. Got it. So you need to choose the right people and a good 360. That's why it's called a 360. It's all, a all 360 around life. your life. Right. Then ask them great questions about yourself. What's it like to be on this other side of me? How do I handle conflict? Yeah. What are some of my greatest strengths? What are some of my biggest weaknesses? If you, if I, if you could get me to change one or two things, what would you get me to change? Yeah. That information you never want to hear, but it is so, so valuable. Good. They're already, here's yeah. the thing. They're already thinking it. <laughs> people already yeah. see it. They're already thinking yeah. about it. They might even already be talking about it when you're not around. Yeah. So you might as well know. And I'm just telling you, it's the greatest thing in the world because now you're like, you're on, you're in on the party right. of here's who I really am. Right. Uh, Cause they already are. You might as well know. So that's so great. Well, those were some really great ideas. I hope you guys, um, take some of those pieces of advice and put them to use. I think we had a great conversation here today, guys. Thanks for joining us for the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. To learn more about what Ben and Jamie do, check out speakingtostudents.com, where student pastors help student pastors get better at what they do. We'll have a link to it in this episode's show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love you to subscribe to the podcast through your Apple Podcasts app. And while you're there, we would love for you to leave us a review. Nicely. Yes. No harsh criticism. Yeah, please. We're too insecure for that. Let us know how we're doing and what we can do to make this podcast better. But and also add in three or four compliments as well. <laughs> the, the compliment sandwich. Yes, yes. The compliment multi-level sandwich. Yes. And finally, if you have a friend who came to mind as you're listening to this episode who needs to hear this conversation, you can send them to our website, rethinkingym.org. Until next time, I'm Sarah. I'm Crystal. This is Jamie. I'm Benjamin Richard Crawshaw. Thanks for taking time to listen to this. Bye. Bye.